everyone and welcome to Entering Luminous Absorption. I'm, uh, I'm very excited about the opportunity that we have to share in some perspectives and understandings and in silence. I want to start by asking you just to sit quietly for a minute, not exactly in meditation, and just in a moment of introspection, because what can happen over the next two hours for any of us and for all of us depends on each of us. There is a, there is an optimal orientation that can be adopted to spiritual work. And I consider these two hours to be two hours of spiritual work. There is an optimal orientation, which is both highly energetically engaged, which means very present. And at the same time, profoundly open and receptive. So we don't want the engagement to be a, an effortful striving, but we want it to be very engaged. We want it to be very engaged, very intentional. Your, your presence here is very intentional, but not, not as an act of striving, not as a needing something to happen or even wanting something to happen. And your receptivity we don't want that to be a passive receptivity where you're just here open. It's a very dynamic receptivity. So that that combination of highly engaged and intentional in your presence, and at the same time, deeply relaxed and open and receptive is the optimal orientation. Because then you are truly here for this. If you are effortfully striving, then it's like you're here, but you've got your own agenda. And, and without realizing it, you are imposing your agenda on this opportunity and you will end up experiencing this opportunity through the lens of your agenda if we veer to the other side and we are completely passive in our receptivity we're not really present So somewhere in the perfect middle between those two, there is a, an intentional engagement and an open receptivity happening simultaneously. And so in these first few minutes, I'm just asking you to notice 
what your orientation toward this minute is. And I'm giving you the opportunity to shift more into that optimal orientation. Most spiritual seekers would say that they want to experience transformation. And they want a miracle to descend upon them, the miracle of illumination. And I think most do, theoretically. And by theoretically, I kind of mean most, most sincere seekers want the miracle of transformation to occur someday. Hopefully soon. Maybe even in the next few minutes. But spiritual transformation never occurs in the next few minutes. It only occurs now. So if you truly want the miracle of transformation, the miracle of illumination, the miracle of enlightenment to descend upon you, it can't be a desire for something to happen later, even if it's only a millisecond later. And you can't have a desire for something to happen now because that now would have to be a little later than now. The true desire for a miracle is the willingness to recognize that this is the miracle. If you're not willing to recognize that this is the miracle, you're not ready for a miracle. You're waiting for a miracle, and that's different. This is the miracle. The fact that you're here is the miracle. The fact that we're engaged is the miracle. The fact that whatever it is that brought you here is alive in you is the miracle. There is no more miracle than this. If, you, if you're looking for a miracle bigger than this, you will look forever. So the question is, are you willing to let go of any idea that you might be holding? that would keep you from accepting that this is it. From one point of view, the only spiritual question worth asking is, is this enough? Is this, the miracle of being alive, enough? Or do you need more of a miracle than this? Is, is just the physical incarnation of, of, an, of, an, of an infinite spirit not enough of a miracle for you to be satisfied? Okay, that happened. The infinite source of being has manifest in incarnate form as me in this moment. 
pretty good. But I think there's supposed to be more than, I, I want a little more. I want like a burst of love or something, right? Maybe a vision of a God, something. I need a little bit more than just the miracle of being. This, at some point, you know, the big reveal when that last veil is removed is the recognition that this was always it. That you were never disconnected from source. There was never anywhere to go. There was never anything missing and there was never anything wrong. So the ideal orientation to the next two hours is to just accept that this is the miracle. It already happened. There's absolutely nothing more that you need. And then we can have fun together. then we can explore the miracle. Not because we need to, not because anything's missing, but just because it's fun. And what else are you going to do? So that is the stage I wanted to set for our exploration. And it's nice to have a couple of hours together. Often I do things that are an hour long. In an hour, it doesn't feel like there's quite enough time. It's enough time to convey information, but it's not really enough time to sink into it. So let's just sit for a minute. In the doubtless recognition that this is already it. Everything you could possibly want is already here. And you have it.
I hope that you are feeling as I am. The sweet space of silence and the feeling that just being here together is perfectly fulfilling. There's nothing more that any of us needs than to just be. Okay, so let's have some fun exploring the inexplicable. I 
entered spiritual life 30 years ago very wholeheartedly by leaving my career and my wife at the time and more or less everyone I knew to join a spiritual community where I lived for 20 years doing practice. And after that community ended, I have just kept teaching with many, many of the same people I was working with during that initial period. And the exploration never ceases to thrill me. None of it feels like something I need. None of it feels like it's filling any gaps or holes because I don't, I don't feel anything missing. But it is amazing to keep seeing how pieces fall together into deeper understanding and how that deeper understanding creates changes in your experience of the divine. Just that mysterious play of consciousness. So most recently, uh, I have written and published a book called Transdimensional Spirituality. And in that book, I have what I wanted to do was just explain in as simple a terms as possible how I understand the spiritual path to unfold from the initial period of awakening. When we first start to awaken, we first start to realize, wait a minute, there's more to life than this. Whatever I've been told about life, that's not enough. There's, there's more. I know there's more. And then that initial pursuit all the way through deep practice, profound realizations of oneness. And ultimately, back into a transformed human life on earth. And so I wanted to explain how I understand that path unfolding and share the practices that I think are the most valuable or certainly were the most valuable to me. And the first thing that I would share with you Well, I wrote it in the beginning of this book as a, as a, as a, I don't know, a disclaimer, I suppose. So right, right at the beginning of this book, it says, I have absolutely no doubt about anything in this book. And I could say that to you. I have absolutely no doubt about anything I will talk to you about today. But that does not mean it's true. I have no doubt about it. My experience has led me to a place of doubtless conviction about it. 
but I understand that that doesn't mean it's true. I don't even really know what true means anymore. I can't tell you that it will work for you. I can only tell you that how it worked for me. And I can only assume that if you're here, it will probably be beneficial to you. The reason you're attracted to being here is because you sense the value of it for yourself. So this, what I'm calling transdimensional spirituality breaks the path down into three phases. The first phase is where it takes us from our initial stirrings through a process of what I call self-forgetting that ultimately leads to luminous absorption, which is our, our main topic for today. And I see that as the essential foundation for all higher spiritual work. Two things happen with the realization of luminous absorption. And, and that realization can, and we'll get into this, but it can happen at many levels. First of all, the experience of luminous absorption is the discovery of our true self. That's when we, we realize who we really are. Until that discovery is made, anything that we think or do or feel will be shaped by the assumption of our separate self, what is often called the small self. So, so that's one reason why it's, there's no way as far that I understand to really explore higher spiritual truths, truths beyond the human perspective, unless we liberate ourselves from the limitation of the human perspective. We have to find that part of us that is beyond the human perspective, that exists beyond this reality, beyond the reality of this being. What I, I and many people refer to as our true self. And another way to think about the reason why this is foundational to all higher spiritual work is because only with the discovery of our true self can we become free of reactivity. As long as we need something or want something, there will be some degree of manipulation and control and reactivity at play within us. Because if we want something and, it's, and, we're, and we don't see ourselves heading in that direction, we will almost instinctively react to change direction. So the only time, because what we are in spiritual pursuit, where we are heading is beyond what we can imagine. So therefore, any goal we have in mind is not going to be it, is going to be less than it. But if we have that goal in mind, and if we consciously or unconsciously want that to occur, we will continually and reactively angle towards it. I know there are there were many times in my spiritual life 
where I realized that whatever degree of awakening I was experiencing was happening as much in spite of my effort as it was because of my effort. Because my effort was often pointing in a completely different direction, the direction I thought I was supposed to be heading in. And then when I recognized that some true awakening or some true transformation had occurred, I realized it wasn't the direction I thought at all. So the, the awakening to luminous absorption, the discovery of our true self, allows us to be open enough to discover the unimaginable and free of reactivity. Because that when we discover our true self, we discover the place in us that has no fear. No fear of death, no fear of pain, no fear of anything. And unless we have tasted, at least tasted that part of ourselves, there's a certain amount of fear. And if there's a certain amount of fear, there will be a certain reactive tendency. And in our spiritual life, one of the ways that reactive tendency arises is when we do start to feel ourselves moved into the unimaginable, we'll be afraid. We'll be, oh my God, where am I going into something? I have no idea where I'm going. And there will be a reactive contraction that will put us back on solid ground. So there has to be a profound degree of fearlessness that would allow us to remain calm as we pass beyond the boundaries of not only everything we know, but everything we can know into the oblivion of the mystery. So the first part of transdimensional spirituality is this self-forgetting and expansion into luminous absorption. Some people, that may be the end of their karma, particularly ripe souls, I think. Sometimes that's the end, like a Ramana Maharshi. That's it. They just abide in the absolute indefinitely. But it appears that for most of us, that kind of awakening to luminous absorption is what they call in Hinduism a conditional samadhi. It's one that you return from. And, and I believe that return, and this is traditionally the way it's talked about, that return occurs for, for one of two reasons. It's either a chosen it's either a choice that we made somewhere deep in our being to return for the benefit of the earth, a bodhisattva-like return, or it's a return that occurs based on the fact that, that our soul has, uh, has some karma still needing to be realized. And then in the, in the Hindu tradition, they, they have all these really wild things where you once you attain a certain degree of luminous absorption or samadhi, if there's still karma to be resolved in your being before the final union with the divine, you can actually manifest multiple selves on earth 
or in, at any time in history or in any place in the universe in order to work all that karma out at once. So you don't have to work through a succession of lives. You can just work it out all at the same time with all these different lifetimes. I have no idea if that's true, but I love the idea. But I do think that we either return from those higher reaches, either because we have karma yet to be worked out, and so there's that karma draws us back, or because somewhere in our being in this lifetime or some other, we made a deep commitment to participate in the evolution, the spiritual evolution of life on this planet. And so we come back. But when we come back, we're coming back from this absorption in oneness. We're coming back from a place beyond separate self, we have the opportunity to develop a completely different level of what I like to refer to as mystical vision. We are free from the limits of our human perspective, our human point of view, and we begin to see with universal eyes. And this is when we begin to see the workings of the cosmos the spiritual underpinnings of everything. And things get clear to us in magnificent ways. And maybe it's our karma to just explore the spiritual cosmos indefinitely. Or maybe it's our karma to enter into that third domain of transdimensional spirituality, which, which is which occurs when we feel called to manifest the higher realities that we have, that we experience on earth. We are called to become what I call an artist of possibility. We are called to share the higher vision in tangible forms on earth whether that be in writing or in art or in whatever form it is that we feel moved to share. But apparently, some people do feel called to return to a life in which sharing the mysteries of higher vision is what their life is devoted to. And so those are the three stages of transdimensional spirituality, the initial expansion into luminous absorption and the discovery of the true self, the possibility of a return to the subtle realms of consciousness, those realms between the material realm of earth and the sort of intangible, ephemeral, causal realm of the true self, all of those subtle realms that are non-material, so you really begin to see the multidimensional workings of the cosmos. And finally, if one is called to bring the wisdom from those higher dimensions of reality to life on earth in some form or another. And as I said earlier, the necessary foundation for all higher spiritual work 
is entering luminous absorption. Over the past 20 years that I've been teaching, I've spent a good 80% of my time teaching about luminous absorption in some form or another, because it's the most important thing. And it's, it's important not to get sidetracked from that. So in many of the traditions, they, they try to warn you against getting fascinated by spiritual experience because they want to create a clear path to that oneness of absorption. As I understand it, the path to luminous absorption is a path of self-forgetting. And the practice that has been most beneficial to me and that I have spent the most time teaching about is the practice of conscious contentment, which is simply the practice of relaxing. And we sit and we let everything be exactly as it is. Consciously content with everything, not making a problem out of anything, just being, just sitting. And if we truly let go and truly enter a place where we are not only consciously content about everything that is, but consciously content about everything that is, everything that ever has been, everything that ever will be, everything that could ever have been, and everything that ever could possibly be, as well as everything that will never be and has never been and isn't now. It's the biggest possible contentment. And what happens when, when we are that content what happens is we just stop. There's no reason for us to do anything. There's, everything's perfect. Everything that is is perfect. Everything that has been is perfect. Everything that will be is perfect. On and on and on. And if you rest in that state of contentment, The impulse to change anything gradually extinguishes itself. And you feel less 
and less and less desire for anything. Desire for anything to change. And you just rest. And eventually you're just sitting and you could sit forever. As an earthbound human being, that's as far as you can go through effort. That is complete surrender. Complete surrender is the doorway through which we can enter higher spiritual work. Because only when we are that completely surrendered, completely satisfied, fulfilled, content with human life on earth, only then will it become possible for us to expand beyond human reality into our into the higher dimensions of who we are beyond this physical incarnation Now, as I was saying, I have no, I have no doubt about this. And I want us to sit now. And I want to give you the opportunity to rest in conscious contentment in the way that I was just describing. And just observe how that sense of perfect contentment keeps growing as you sit. All you need to do is find a comfortable position. Allow your breath to be very natural. Allow yourself to be comfortable and just sit allowing everything to be exactly as it is.
hope in the silence, you are feeling the invitation. It's an invitation that calls you beyond the confines of this human incarnation. I believe if you are here, this is an invitation you have felt and followed for some time in this lifetime and many others. It's important to realize that the, the invitation to experience the realities beyond this human incarnation does not in any way, is not in any way a negation of the wonder and significance and beauty of this human incarnation. And not everyone feels that call to explore beyond this incarnation. And there's plenty to explore right here in, embody, in, our, in our miraculous embodiment. And as I said at the beginning, the fact that we are here, consciousness in an embodied form is already the miracle. But those of us that do experience that invitation to explore beyond the limits of our human incarnation are experiencing an invitation to cease being concerned with our human life. One of the things that one realizes, certainly that I have realized, as I release more and more into these higher dimensions of being, is that my human life is fine without me. In some ways, it's better. And the metaphor that I often use, and many of you have heard me say it, but I'll say it again because it's so perfect, when you first learn how to ride a bike, it takes an enormous amount of conscious attention to ride. But once you get good at it, you just hop on the bike and go, and you stop paying attention to the riding. You get to enjoy the scenery. That's what makes riding fun. In the same way, when we get good at being a human being, when the, when the habits of being human become well-established, we don't need to pay so much attention to it anymore. We can let our human life unfold. And we can allow more and more of ourselves to be available to look around, to look at the scenery, the higher dimensional scenery. I also believe that many of the problems of our world are secondary to the fact that we don't have we, we don't live, especially in the West, we don't live with a rich, a rich spiritual life. The Age of Enlightenment brushed a lot of that off the table. 
So I, I believe, and this is, this is more the domain of personal belief, that because we don't have a rich spiritual life as part of our culture, there's no place for our attention to go but on our own lives. And so what we end up with is rampant anxiety and, you know, overthinking everything. We, you know, we see that, we see it in ourselves, we see it in other people. We belabor decisions to the point of absurdity Partly, I think, because there's nowhere else, there's nothing else for us to do with our incredibly active minds. Where if, if our life includes a very rich, spiritual, higher dimensional exploration, there's something more interesting to do with our minds, with our awareness, than belabor every decision we have to make. But the point is that this invitation to be done, to cease being concerned, that doesn't mean we don't have to think about anything. Sometimes you do. That's the way human life is. Sometimes you need to deliberate and you need to make a more conscious choice. But a lot of things could just happen and, and would happen pretty much perfectly without us. And what a relief to not be overly concerned with every aspect of human life. And when our attention is not focused, so is not riveted so exclusively to this domain of human existence, where does it go? is a very interesting question. That's the invitation. The invitation is to discover where you go when you let go of the life that you've known, when you give, when you relax your grip on this life. Where do you go then? That's an interesting question. That question gets answered in the meditation practice because if you are not trying to control anything, if you're not trying to do anything, if you're not paying attention to anything in particular, if you're just letting everything be as it is, one of the things that arises for us is this, well, what do I do then? Where does my, what do I put my attention on? And that's, people want a technique. Tell me what to put my attention on. Do I, do I imagine a blue flame? Do I count my breath? What do I do? I need to do something with this attention. No, don't do anything with it. Just see what happens to it. Where does it go when it's got nothing to do? As long as you give it something to do, it'll stay with whatever you give it. But if you give it nothing to do, then you have the opportunity to discover where your attention goes when there's nothing to pay attention to. And what you discover is that it just slips out of existence. It just goes beyond the edge. It goes beyond the edge of, of what you know. It goes beyond the edge of what's possible. It goes into the impossible. So I, I want to set a little bit of context for this practice. 
And again, I have no doubt about any of the things I'm sharing, even though I know that doesn't make them true. I have no need. I have no need to know what's true. At its source, existence is a living beingness. Now, to, to the Western attuned ear, that sounds odd. It sounds bad to some extent, right? The, the source of existence is a living being. It sounds a little too much like God for most Westerners. But in the esoteric traditions of both the East and the West, you come up with this idea. In the West, they do talk specifically about God. And in the East, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do talk about Brahman, for instance, in Hinduism. Uh, sometimes they just talk about the self or the self-absolute or just consciousness. But in traditions East and West, the idea is that at the bottom of everything, the source of existence is alive and conscious. Life and consciousness isn't something that evolves into an unalive, unconscious universe. See, when, when you talk about the universe being alive and conscious, sometimes in the West, especially in a more scientifically oriented setting, people will want you to explain, you know, prove that. How can you prove that? Well, I, can, I, would, I would submit as proof that I am alive and conscious. <laughs> So it seems most likely to me that since I am alive and conscious, the universe must be alive and conscious, since I'm part of that. But if you don't believe that, if you want to say that the universe is, is, a, is a vast, infinite field of th empty three-dimensional space filled with non-living particles that interact with energy, then you have to explain how life occurred and how consciousness occurred, which nobody can explain. And we haven't been able to explain it in hundreds of years of Western science. It doesn't look like we're getting any closer. But what I feel certain about is that the source of existence is conscious and alive. It's pure awareness, pure consciousness, pure luminous consciousness. Our experience of being human arises through a succession of limitations that are imposed on the infinite and eternal limitless consciousness that is. And if you keep narrowing it down enough, eventually you get to something like what we experience as a material world in human form. You know, this experience of being human exists in a very, very narrow band of the total energetic frequencies of consciousness. Just like the human spectrum of light 
visible light occurs in a very narrow band of the electromagnetic spectrum. The electromagnetic spectrum is, is essentially limitless. And in an incredibly narrow band, there is the kind of red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet visible spectrum that we see with our eyes. And the only thing that makes that visible spectrum unique is the fact that we can see it with our eyes. It has, it has nothing to do with anything except human vision. If there were no humans left in the universe, the distinction of visible light would be meaningless. There's nothing special about visible light except that our eyes happen to be attuned to it. So the same thing is true of us. There's nothing special about the human experience except it's the, it's the experience we happen to be having. There's a lot more experience to be had than just this one. And we think of ourselves as human beings, as solid organisms having an experience. What I would, you know, in, in the way that I teach, what I would want to suggest is that we not think of ourselves as solid organisms having an experience, and we think of ourselves as the experience of being human. We are the experience of being human. We are not a human having an experience. We are the experience of being human. And that experience is happening in a very narrow range of all total possibilities for experience. And the invitation that we feel when we begin to relax our concern over our human form and our human life is the invitation to experience more of what's possible beyond the human spectrum. And that is the invitation. The invitation is to experience more of who you are. And in the end, what limits your experience is your self-concept, is the idea of being you. So one time, this was probably 20 years ago, I was on a retreat for a couple of months with about 12 people and it was a it was a very intensive retreat of practice and I was so out of my head after a few weeks I was just completely beyond my you know my my awareness was was floating outside of my body most of the time I was awake through sleep and dreams and I was having the most amazing experiences continually so it was you know you just get way out there if you have the chance and I was sitting I remember sitting in meditation and and I was experiencing myself as pure awareness 
I knew that I wasn't, I wasn't this body and I wasn't this person called Jeff. I was the awareness that was flowing through this body. There was no doubt about it. It's exactly how I was experiencing myself, just as pure awareness flowing through a body. And I was sitting down in meditation and I was thinking, why am I only, why am I only aware of flowing through this body? Because I'm flowing through all these bodies. Everyone in the room is me. I'm the same aware, the same awareness, which is me, is flowing through every body in this room. And so for a number of days, I strained and stressed to try to see through everybody else's eyes and experience everyone else's body. And sometimes I would almost start to feel like maybe it was happening, but I could, there was a certain barrier that I just could not break. But I feel certain the only reason that I couldn't break that barrier is because that habit is so strong, it's just very hard to break. That it's theoretically possible. I think it's very possible for me to see through your eyes. I think I could definitely, I, I am seeing through your eyes, and I think I could definitely connect with that place in consciousness where I am seeing through your eyes. I'm not sure that would make me a particularly functional human being. But it would be nice direct evidence of the oneness of consciousness that I am. So the in order for, for us to have a human experience, there must be a human self that exists, a human sense of self, a human identity. And that identity becomes a platform for perception. It becomes a platform for activity, a platform for consciousness that sees itself as separate from everything else. But of course, it's not separate from everything else. There is no separation, but there's the, the sense, the appearance of separation. The appearance of separation is what allows for this human experience to exist. Otherwise, there would be no. sense of separation. And as I said earlier, this sense of separation has created or is involved in this beautiful world, this beautiful three-dimensional world that we live in, and it's a miracle, and it's wonderful, and it should be cherished and loved and cared for. And it's not the limit of who we are. And some of us might be called to explore more of who we are beyond these dimensions. Not because it's better, but because it's an opportunity we feel called to, right? It's like, we're, this is how humans work. Some of us get called in different directions. So if you're feeling that call, then this self-forgetting process, which essentially means relaxing into conscious contentment, 
And what will happen if you relax into conscious contentment long enough and deeply enough is you will reach a point where you, you will feel your, your, essentially, this is not a perfect description, but it's a pretty good one. You will essentially feel, it will feel like your body and your mind, your normal mind and your body are fall asleep, but you stay awake. They just go into like, vroom. and it's like you're free. You're a, you've become a kind of free floating consciousness. Among many of the people working with me in the context of, of what I call the mystery school, and the practices that we do, this seems to be a possibility that's become very stable for many people and probably is for many of you. And so you just let, you let your earthbound mind and body sort of fall asleep and you're just a free-floating awareness. I find it takes 10 to 15 minutes before that occurs. but I'm sure that could be shorter. Now, when you initially are in this free-floating form, the memory of being a separate self is, is still very alive. So even though you kind of feel like your mind and body have fallen asleep, you still feel like you feeling like your mind and body have fallen asleep. And then you start to move into deeper and deeper levels of self-forgetting, which means the memory of who you were on earth slowly dissipates. And as it dissipates, you become more and more free from any of the earthly limitations of time and space. So in the early stages where you have, you've left basically the gross realm of, of earthbound consciousness and you've entered into the subtle realms of higher dimensions of consciousness in those early stages you still kind of you still sort of feel yourself in human form and you still tend to be somewhat abiding in similar three-dimensional spaces but as you continue to let go you become more and more consciously aware that 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 experience of time and space is illusory and doesn't really bind you. So it's kind of like moving from a dream, a normal dream where you are experiencing the limits of time and space. And if you bang into a wall, you hit your nose in the dream to a more of a lucid dream where you begin to realize, oh, I can walk through the wall if I want. I just have to know that the wall isn't real and I can walk right through. You start to experience you're not bound by time and space in this form. And if you keep forgetting, you let more and more of the human memory go, you, you enter into those domains where things like astral travel occur, where you just sort of leave any sense of normal sense of time and space, and you are exploring realms beyond even the memory of time and space. But even then, there's still a sense of you doing the traveling until eventually even that starts to fall away. 
and, and, and then you, you enter into what I would say are sort of the early stages of samadhi, the early crossing into causal. You begin to experience things like cosmic consciousness or what in Hinduism they call Turiya. It's just the awareness that is aware through everything. You stop feeling like you are located somewhere and you start feeling like you are the awareness that is everywhere. You start feeling the eternal and infinite nature of your being. You start having an experience of cosmic consciousness. And in those early stages of samadhi, there's this incredible revelation. Oh my God, I am that. I am that cosmic consciousness. I am that awareness that is aware. That has always been what was flowing through me. Even when I thought I was Jeff, the awareness that was aware of thinking that I was Jeff was this, cosmic awareness. And there's more letting go that can occur. And eventually, and they, they, they do talk about this in the East, that sense of I am that, in which there is still a sense of you being separate from that and recognizing it as who you are, changes to something more like I am this, or this is I. It's no longer Jeff realizing that he is that cosmic source. It is now the cosmic source recognizing itself. And at that point, the idea of Jeff, the memory of having been Jeff, sort of starts to float away. And there's just the cosmic awareness left. There's still a sense of I am, but it's no longer has any association with anything like Jeff. It's just I am the cosmos. And I believe that is the highest stage of luminous absorption that a human being can enter. I am this. I am this cosmos. I am the cosmos. So when I'm speaking to you and I'm saying, I am the cosmos, it's not Jeff saying, Jeff is the cosmos. It's the cosmos speaking to you through Jeff. I am the cosmos. That is a very different level of samadhi. And this is where people start talking about the universal being or the cosmic being. And there are layers of letting go beyond that. And eventually, any sense of I am anything disappears. And the only thing left is the divine. The only thing left is that. And there's not even any I am that left. There's just luminosity and no one even aware of luminosity. And that is that. That is the journey of self-forgetting into luminous absorption. And at least, you know, as far as I understand, That is the foundation, the, dis the discovery of some degree of luminous absorption, some degree of cosmic consciousness, some degree of recognizing that I am the awareness that is aware. 
is the foundation and the beginning of a profound possibility for higher exploration. Because once we've been liberated from uh, rigid identification with our earthbound human experience, we are really free to travel, to explore, to experience more of who we are. And when we have tasted the awareness that is aware and we know that that is who ultimately we are, not only can we explore those higher reaches, but we can explore it as the source, exploring its own being rather than Jeff exploring. Jeff exploring higher consciousness is amazing, but the universe or, or the cosmic being discovering more of itself is infinitely more amazing. You know, who really cares what Jeff explores and understands? You know, Jeff's, Jeff's little incarnation here, you know, it's, it has a very limited time span. It's not going to be around forever, you know? And so what's more interesting is if the cosmos itself is exploring those higher reaches, because that means that which is infinite and eternal is discovering more of its infinite and eternal nature. And that to me is the whole point. I have a, a few more things I want to say, and what those have to do with is, is an important distinction, which is it's one thing to experience luminous absorption. It's one thing to surrender, to go through a process of self-forgetting and to merge with that union with the source of being as an experience. But over the last few years, more and more, I've become utterly convinced that it's possible to live from that place. And living from that place is much more challenging than just experiencing the truth of it. Experiencing the truth of it is very, very challenging. Don't get me wrong. But living from it, permanent abidance in that direct recognition of self is much more difficult and I think much more valuable. So what I want to do is sit for a few minutes before we go on to talk about that and just allow yourself to experience that invitation to the deep self-forgetting that leads through the process of letting go of first the identification with the earthbound self, but then in the subtle domains, the gradual letting go even of the memory of having been the earthbound self, which takes us into luminous absorption.
Okay, so as I said before, the path, the experience of entering luminous absorption begins when we rest so deeply in conscious contentment that we let go of our identification, our exclusive identification with our earthbound self, and we allow ourselves to begin to drift into the subtle dimensions of reality beyond this, what we experience as our familiar world, and we enter into spiritual, higher spiritual realms. And initially, the memory, our human birth memory is very alive, and so our experience is in many ways governed by the same sense of time and space as we experienced on earth. But as, as the memory of our earthbound self fades, we discover more and more of who we are as a free-floating awareness. And eventually, as an all-pervasive awareness, a cosmic consciousness. And as I alluded to before we sat, that journey into luminous absorption, as miraculous as it is, for some of us, wants to become a permanent abidance on Earth. Now, as I said, there are some particularly ripe souls in which, for whatever reason, their karma is done at luminous absorption. It's over. Many of the great saints and realizers seem to be people like that. But others of us feel a longing, desire, a compulsion, is maybe a better word, to live in direct contact with that higher divinity always and to become on earth an expression of that. And as I said, over the past few years, it's become more and more clear to me that to do that is possible. But it's not easy. The leap into luminous absorption is much easier. Why? Because, and many of us experience this, you can, you can experience luminous absorption, and inevitably you fall back into your earthbound existence. So you, you can leap through practice, through effort, through meditation, through passionate desire, loving desire. You can leap into this miraculous experience to some degree or another. But when you fall back into your earthbound existence, what you experience is so far from where, where you live that there's you know, really, there's not much left of it except a memory. 
and an inspiration. I mean, there's something left for sure, but it's a, it's a shade, a, a very thin shade of what you tasted. You may know that you are that and have no doubt that you are that because you have experienced the reality of the fact that you are that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're living in a permanent abidance in that or with, a, with a, an unbroken contact with that. And I believe that that kind of permanent abidance, that ability to be in the earth but not of the earth, to become a kind of living representation of that cosmic awareness, it requires us to enliven and, and awaken a path through, from earth through all the subtle layers of consciousness to that causal realm. Because when that path is awakened, when that direct pathway is unbroken, then the love and wisdom and energy of that source flows through into us. It becomes the source of our life. And at least for me, and this is may or may not be for you, but it certainly is for, like that is, that's what's most appealing to me. Having that channel open to the divine so that she can manifest her existence through me on earth. That feels worth living for. You know, I'm here on earth. So the, the question when you are here on earth is, well, what's worth living for? And to me, that's worth living for. Allowing the love and wisdom of divinity to flow through me is worth living for. And that means illuminating all of those subtle dimensions of the soul to create a direct, to, 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 to complete the circuit between the divine, my divine being, the cosmic self, and my earthbound life. Now, today, we are able to, you know, we're able to taste the invitation together. And, and do this practice session together. But of course, we need more time to sink into it. So, you know, and so I lead retreats uh, all the time. In January, I'm leading a four-day virtual retreat via Zoom, which I did the first time during COVID because I had to cancel my in-person retreats that first year of COVID. And I said, well, I felt, I felt disappointed that I wasn't going to be on retreat. And I thought the people that had 
registered for the retreat would be disappointed. So I said, well, maybe we can just do one on Zoom. And I thought, well, that's kind of a crazy idea. Who wants to sit in front of a Zoom screen for eight hours a day? But the best we could do at the time, little did I know, it's actually amazing. And now uh, I, you know, I've been doing them regularly just because I love them. And it's, it's a nice way to do a longer retreat without having to fly. And I just get everything set up. I make this my perfect space. I get on with all of you. This is, you know, it's just such a beautiful group of people and all of our energy combines. And this Zoom screen just becomes some kind of a focusing totem that allows us to focus our energies together uh, better than if we didn't have it. You know, we could do it without the Zoom screen, but I know, I know our tendency is to wander, so it's good to have a point of focus, and then we can just go and explore this whole process of self-forgetting. That's what I want to do for four days, is really explore this process of self-forgetting. What does it mean to, to allow the memory of your human existence to fade away. And as it fades, what higher dimensions of reality do you begin to have access to? You know, that's the exploration that I personally am in at the moment. That's the Yeah, I am deep in this for myself, which is why I want to share it with all of you. And I'm going to share an insight that I've had recently because I've been studying a lot of these explorations of higher dimensions, the people that do them. And what I realized, at least for me, is it's only really interesting if you're exploring them from that luminous realization. It's really only interesting when that exploration of higher dimensions is being explored from you know, your cosmic self, from cosmic consciousness. Because when, it's, when there's an earthbound identity busy exploring those higher realms, I mean, that's exciting. But somehow it's still, you know, when we are very wedded to our our earthbound self, we are very limited by the fears and desires of that self. And so our exploration becomes very guided by the fears and desires of that self. I believe that's why in the traditions, they warn you against doing too much exploration too soon. Because just unleashing the earthbound identity into higher realms doesn't necessarily yield the results we're all hoping for. But once you've tasted that self-forgetting, and I suspect that everyone here has had a pretty good taste of their cosmic being. I, I, don't, I just don't think you would be here for two hours listening to me if you didn't know what I was talking about from your own direct experience. I mean, there might be someone here, but I doubt it. So, but once you taste that, then you have the opportunity of, of returning from that place, from that free-floating place into the higher dimensions 
and not exploring them with the baggage of the memory of your earthbound self and all the fears and desires that are pulling and tugging on you, you are able to explore from this infinite space, this fearless space. And it's, a, it's just completely different because then it's not just fascinating, it's also, it's also creating that illumined pathway from that self to the earthbound existence that that can then allow the highest divine energies to flow and that's i think what's that's what's worth you know giving my life to you know there's there's nothing else really that compelling to me, except opening that channel and becoming a, a living expression of divinity to whatever extent I am capable of and whatever extent we are capable of together. So with that, I am going to give you all my love and I am so looking forward to exploring these higher reaches with you in the future. 